Oh, Hello, evening. Matthew Steeples. How's Hi. it going? Oh, good evening. It's very well. Congratulations to you, and uh, you know, a big cheers to your channel. It's been a great pleasure to make so many things with you over the last two years. I can't celebrate too much, though, Matthew. This is not a party. It is a work event. Well, um, well, you know, that man would make anything uh, a party or a work event if you could get a bit of money out of it. Like, we've only got 30 minutes to squeeze in a lot of subject matter. And many of you are familiar with Matthew from the Markle Exposé series, which has been viral this year. And Matthew's links in the description box. Go down to the Steeple Times. And also you can catch him on Twitter. So... Which what of these subjects would you like to start out with then? Because I've got five well, of them here. Well, I thought we'd just quickly go over the coronation, as you had been asked to. Um, I don't think I need to add anything to what I said the other evening, but we covered the topic of the uh, the Grim Reaper character. Well, that's now been identified as a verger, so there's nothing nefarious about that, though um, our friend Kirby Summers uh, has done quite an analysis on the symbolism of it, but that's for another day. Um you know, I think um, the uh, the big thing with with the royals now is the, the the court case today, which began with Mirror. To add to his other existing court cases, he's uh, taking on the Mirror to add to Associated News and uh, News Group. And uh, you know, he 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 has had an apology for one one claim, which was to do with the China White Nightclub. Um, and his silly little mouthpiece, um, Omid Scooby, is claiming that, you know, he heard Piers Morgan talk about phone hacking during this period. Um, I think that seems to be another little bit of spinning on their part. Um, it's going to be a seven-week trial. Um, and, you know, they, the, the Mirror have already admitted elements of this went on. But um, I think, you know, this sport little brat should... Uh, uh, reel his neck in, to be honest. So, what's his issue with the mirror? Then, is there been hacking? Is it defamation? Um, they hacked. They, they. He alleges they hacked his phone on a hundred and forty-seven articles. Is what he's complaining about. Um, he called it blatantly appalling reporting. Well, that was his lawyer, David Sherborne, who is someone I've met. Um, Mr. Sherborne is quite successful and has represented quite a few people I know and he is he's quite a good lawyer but I I do think that this case is quite ludicrous what is the means by which they hack these people's phones um well when people had mobile phones in the old days you would ring the you would ring it you would ring and you'd get their voicemail and then you'd press the zero 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 because no one ever changed their password it was so easy to get in that's basically <laughs> That in and it summed up, and that was all these silly famous people. You'd have thought their advisors would have changed it to, you know, ten sixty six or something equally stupid. But um, no, that's mm. how that's how they did it, basically. So, is this lawsuit going to bring Prince Harry back to home soil, or is he going to do a camera um, thing? Well, they said he will have to give, he will be giving evidence, but he could probably he will be able to do that remotely if he so chooses. And I can't imagine he'll be coming back once he's got no more Frogmore Cottage. Um, he's lost most of his friends because his wife got rid of them. So I don't know where he'd plan on staying, but um, there we go. So my former co-host, Andrew Gold, has just put steeples looking as handsome as ever <laughs> uh, and resplendent in orange, let us well, this add. Well, this was the orange cashmere jumper you very kindly gave me. 
So thank you very much for that. It often does the rounds. <laughs> it makes right, it to the so... magnet, which I, I'm very pleased you gave a mention to this morning. Oh, we're, we're now sponsored by the magnet in Broadstairs. Yes. Go, go down there, have a tipple. You can meet Matthew and have a little chin, chin wag. You could meet all sorts of people there, I promise you. There's everyone from Miss Broadstairs, who is a friend of mine, a former Miss Broadstairs, to a former former private detectives to all sorts of characters. Do you have a Grim Reaper, though? That's the question. Well, the Grim Reaper, um, there used to be a conspiracy theorist there, but he's banned himself. He's probably <laughs> watching this. He can't stand me. or he, uh, he, It's not many things he does like. <laughs> so, are we finished with the Royals, then? And we're going to go think, on to these others? I think that's, that's the only thing to say. What's the deal with Cliff Richard? Well, Cliff Richard, I'm going to come to when we talk about Jill Dando. Cliff Richard is central to that story. All right. So explain to the viewers then, especially in America, who Jill Dando was. Well, I'm going to give you a quick summary. Um, so Jill Dando was a BBC star. Uh, she won the BBC Personality of the Year in, um, 19, in 1997. Um, it's the 24th anniversary of her, of her killing. Um, she was shot in Fulham in London. Um, and the interesting thing is there's a Netflix documentary about her coming out, so the viewers will be able to watch this. Um, I believe it comes out later this year. Um, she was lauded as honest, factual, and charming by Cliff Richard. Um, and she had an aura of Princess Diana, Princess of Wales, about her. She had a similar look to her. And of her, Sir Cliff said she was beautiful and she was bright, and somebody killed her for what reason? What kind of motive could there have been it's horrifying to think that the person who killed her is still alive and who knows, maybe out there killing other people. So Jill Dando um, was born in 1961. She was 37 when she was murdered, shot with a single bullet to her head at a place in Fulham called 29 Gowan Avenue. Um, and her neighbour uh, didn't hear a, sh a shotgun, a, a, a gunshot, but he did see a man walk away who was white aged about 46 foot tall that is the only person who is that's the only realistic description of the person that did it um so the police were called at eleven forty-seven, and she was declared dead at one o'clock in the afternoon um on arrival at charing cross hospital which was very near to where she lived um she was born in Western Supermare, Somerset. Her father was a journalist. Uh, her brother worked for BBC Radio Bristol. And age three, she had a hole in the heart surgery, which led her to a lot of her work doing campaigning for people because um, she did a lot with the, the, when there was the war in Yugoslavia. She gave a lot of um, highlights of that. And she did a lot about heart conditions um, in a similar way to what Diana did with the, her alleged Love, well, her lover, the, the heart surgeon. Um, she was educated at a comprehensive school in in, um, Brist in uh, Western Supermare, which is a seaside town in Somerset. Uh, she was a devout Baptist. Um, she began her career on a local newspaper, became a newsreader at the BBC, and then became um, a presenter of a holiday program called Holiday for the BBC, which was very, very popular in the 1990s. Um, and another program, 
which identified a lot of criminals, called Crime Watch. Uh, at that point, and that she'd also been a BBC national news presenter. She was the highest profile presenter on the BBC at the time of her death. Um, she was the major star, a bit like you know Emily Maitlis is now after her program with Prince Andrew. Um, and her personal life was that she dated a, another BBC executive in, between 1989 and 1996. And then she dated a gynecologist called Alan Farthing, who later became the Queen's personal physician. Um, she met him on a blind date. They announced their engagement in the January. Uh, they were going to get married in the, the, um, in the September. In the April, she, two days before she died, she'd sold her house. And I think this is a very relevant point because, you know, who had viewed her house, who had been inside there, who knew the location? And that's something that never gets discussed. Um, and on the day of her murder, she'd returned to this house, 29 Gowan Avenue, because she was mostly living with the boyfriend, fiance, and she was shot with a nine millimeter short caliber semi-automatic pistol um, with a modified cartridge. So it was, which would suggest it was potentially a, a paid assassin, I would say. Um, and then, as I said, the neighbours saw it all. And uh, the, the Metropolitan Police began an operation called Operation Oxborough, which had such intense media coverage because of who she was. Um, within six months, they'd had two and a half thousand people approached. They'd got a thousand statements. And then they arrested the local crazy, who was called Barry George. And this man was obsessed with George Michael as well. Um, he was known for stalking. He'd got convictions for sexual offences, antisocial behaviour, and they arrested him in, in May, so it was just a month later. He was tried at the Old Bailey, convicted on, in July 2001, got life imprisonment. He then had two unsuccessful appeals, and then the third appeal was based on discredited forensic evidence, and he was, he was freed in November 2007. So he did serve quite a fair bit of time. He got damages in 2009 from the news group, so the Sun and the News of the World. And there were many theories that came next because it's a case that's never been solved. It's still a case that's open. In January, there were further appeals about it um, because this lady was of such high profile. Um, so there were things like her ex an ex-lover, was they were ruled out. There were... The things like some deranged person and the brother had said some guy had been pestering her, uh, but they never managed to work out who that could have been. And it could have been this this Barry George was a pet, the local pest. Um, there was mistaken identity, which was which is highly unlikely. But in the mid 1990s, she'd handed a dossier to the BBC about the VIP um, abuse rings. As I suppose we can't use that other word. So it was never acted upon, which is very curious, but it, that did involve Savile, allegedly. So that is curious. And then there was a, another weird thing that in 2005, when Geoffrey Archer, Lord Archer, the famous novelist who was in jail for perjury, um, there were claims in the mirror that he'd hired the hitman. This was never proven. It was nonsense because the lady who he who he, who'd been involved in the case that got him sent to prison, Angela Pepiat, um, she looked similar. She lived in the same road. She had the same kind of BMW, and they were saying mistaken identity. But I don't think that was the case personally. So there was a cold case review in 
2008 and they concluded it was a professional assassin and it was a hard contact execution. But the the, car, the review in 2012 suggested it was something else. It was the Serbian warlord Arkan because of the work she'd done in the, the wars in, in Yugoslavia. Um, but none of that has ever been proven. And um, her memory is being honoured still. You know, she left an estate of 1.8 million. Um, there's a Jill Dando Institute of Crime, which I'm sure you'd be very interested to go and do something about at the University College London. Um, there's a memorial garden at the BBC, and um, and Geoffrey Archer was involved in um, set, setting up uh, a Jill Dando news centre. So he was very close friends to her, and they both grew up in Western Supermare. So that was their connection. And he said of her, she was my dearest friend and a great human being. Um, and the other person she was so close to was Cliff Richard, and he, he called her one of her closest friends. And of course, there are alleged links between him and certain activities but they've never been proven and he's had all sorts of trouble but um he danced with her at the vienna opera ball in february 1996 and you know at that after that people said you know she looked like diana princess of wales on that occasion and um you know she was a she wasn't somebody i knew but she was an all-round decent lady who did a lot to help solve crime cases and I can relate to it very much because my mother had a friend called Diana. Well, my my aunt had a friend, late aunt, um, called Diana Moore, who was murdered in very, very similar circumstances in the same area of West London in 1988. And that is an, a still unsolved case. And her parents have died, so they'll never see justice. Uh, but she was shot with a crossbow. Um, and that's a case we should talk about on another occasion also. But, you know, there, there were certain women of that type who have been targeted um, and, you know, this lady was also quite high profile in, in the banking world, though. But um, I can kind of relate to it because she was due to get married and we were going to be going to her wedding. And this was astounding to us. And the whole thing with Jill Dando was astounding because she was so loved and the nation loved her. And, you know, she's, there's, there's bursaries created in her honour and at the BBC. And I, I think it is quite curious how, you know, this lady who did such good could be, you know, so horribly killed on her doorstep just before she was due to get married and she was very happy. So if Barry George was the Lee Harvey Oswald of this situation, the Patsy, and he was convicted by the authorities to get the case closed, does that therefore mean that the authorities were in or some part of the corrupt authorities were in on the conspiracy to assassinate Jill Dando? I don't think the authorities organised her killing, but I think it's more likely her killing was orchestrated because of upsetting these Bosnians. And there were, there were calls to the BBC that day from Bosnia, from people that they could have been complete cranks, but they said this is revenge, basically and that they were going to kill other journalists. And they did kill other journalists. Which other journalists did they kill? I don't know what names, they, I, I, but they killed the journalists on the ground in Yugoslavia. They were, they, they were brutal with, you know, the same way that they killed children. I, I was listening to a radio show today, a wonderful thing. I sent you a link to it. It's um, uh, J uh, uh, Mr. Bowen, I've forgotten his Christian name, um, from the BBC, and, you know, they lured coaches with children that were evacuating children and they just shot them 
this was the kind of they were ruthless warlords and they had no concept of international law and that's why you know many of them are still in prison and were sent to the hague you know i i do think that would be the most likely possibility um but the other i think the other possibility with her was it, it could have been a complete crank but it could have also been somebody who had who had been sent down as a result of her crime watch appeals so she did a program that came out once a week and i'd what i remember watching it many times and sometimes these people were caught so could you imagine if you were caught as a result of this this poor lady you know this, you would you wouldn't like her would you so that's how i would conclude about that so you're saying that before she was assassinated somebody representing themselves as a bosnian put it on the record that they were no no after she uh, the, uh, the just minutes after she was assassinated someone presenting themselves and was yes. this after it had been announced to the public well it was announced pretty quickly because the, the fulham is a, a busy area of london and the whole street was cordoned off and people the, the neighbors would have known and like any of these things if you're if you've got if you've got all these police there's bound to be cameras okay it was a it wasn't in the social media age but you know one of the neighbors probably rang the press and has this happened in the history of the uk whereby a journalist has been assassinated and bosnians have claimed that they've done it um i don't know of any specific names because i i'm not that i'm not that much of an expert on this but i was asked to talk about it and i I have a little knowledge of it, but I, I know the area very well because I have friends who live in that very street. So if you'd assassinated Jill Dando for reasons unknown, wouldn't it be a good red herring to have someone contact the police and say, I did it, I'm a Bosnian? Well, I think it, it could well be that. But there could have been other, as I said, there are countless other reasons that it could have happened, but most of them were discounted. And, you know, they, as I said, they, they got over two and a half thousand statements. So... In any of these cases, if you have um, a famous person, there's going to be a, a lunatic ring in. And, you know, the, the interesting thing about this case, it was the biggest criminal investigation since that of Jack the Ripper. The Jack, uh, Yorkshire Ripper, sorry, not Jack the Ripper. I mixed them up. Um, but, you know, that's how big a story it was. This was very yeah, important but... because she was the BBC personality of the year. You know, two years earlier, she was their best earning, you know, presenter. She was very important. And her career so would have rocketed. You know, she's definitely somebody who would have gone very far. So they employed a vast amount of resources and came up with a patsy, which is suspect, isn't it? It is, because he was he was obviously a bit of a simpleton and he stalked all sorts of people and so he was easy to frame and lots of the neighbors would have said oh there was this this creepy barry george wandering around and you know the man has been cleared but um it was it was something that you know the nation was captivated i, I remember it happening um it, it was it was appalling because this lady was so loved have you reached out to barry george um, I don't know what happened to Barry George. I don't know where he is or what he's done next, but he would have been paid a lot of damages. I'm sure. I, but, but, you know, forevermore, the poor man, in, in his instance, he, he, he was cleared of this crime. So he will be forever remembered. It's a bit like, you know, the, that man we did the program with about um, the, the Kennedy. And, you know, 
that man's name will always be there as as, as Jill Dando possible because some people will say that they got it wrong by clearing him. But the so, evidence was the evidence was discredited because it was contaminated. Well, it wasn't I've that just, him. Circumstantial. I've just, no- I've just been notified that we have indeed reached out to Barry George, but yes. he is declining doing any media appearances because he would be a fascinating one to interview, wouldn't he? He would, but in his position, he he was vilified by the media, so he probably doesn't. He'd rather keep himself to himself. I can understand that. You got a question from the psychedelic fish. How close was Jill Dando to the truth? Well, if we're referring to the VIP rings, uh, famous people, well, subsequently, look what who went to prison. So you've got, uh, you know, Rolf Harris, you know, all those kind of people, Max Clifford. She would, they would have all been named in this dossier, I'm sure. And they ignored it. Savile. So I think she probably was close to the truth because she was a, a proper journalist who'd been properly trained. You know, she'd gone up from being a local news reporter on the, the Western Western News, I think it's called. You know, she'd graduated through the lower ranks of the BBC to being a news reader. I think she had a good analytical mind. And I think she was fair. So do you think then that perhaps she could have been assassinated to silence that truth from coming out through her and the assassins could have claimed uh, to be Bosnians? Um, well, I, I don't I don't know. We, we don't know the truth of it. And I don't think anyone probably ever will. But, um, you know, I think there are other good female journalists like Christian Amanpour and um, Emily Maitlis. But I think they've all become more security conscious. And I'm, I'm, there are things in place to make sure that these stalkers are theirs. Like Maitlis had a stalker and he's been sent to prison because he wouldn't stop. And then he came out and he, he did it all again. And, you know, these people are, these, when you upset somebody who's crazy, um, that's the problem because you can't get rid of them. You know, and I've had crazy stalkers and you've had crazy stalkers. It's, you know, I, have, I have had one myself who used to report me to the Devon and Cornwall police constantly because I'd upset Rolf Harris and she wouldn't stop. And this mad person, they they eventually said to me, she does this every week, about 20 people. And, you know, the police have to waste their time dealing with that. And I think that's, that's another problem is the time wasters you attract as a result. But when you've got a famous person, you get these groupies who are a bit obsessed. And, um, you know, some of the famous people I know, it, they are very, very security conscious because these people, you know, they climb over the wall into your garden. And um, I, I have another friend who I won't name because I don't think it's fair to them. Who is, he's a famous, um, he was a TV host, but he still is. Um, but, you know, this woman was so fixated on him and believe, believed that he, his wife should be stopped from having her, chi- her child and... That ended up with a big court case, and this woman's been sent to prison quite rightly. And that's what happens to these TV people. It's it's very odd to me. So but, this, yeah. this, this woman that was reporting you to the police consistently then, isn't that a criminal offence in itself? Well, it should have been, but um, they just viewed her to be a complete lunatic. But she was a harmless lunatic. She, she, she didn't ever... Say it. She never said, "I'm going to come and get you" or anything. I don't know. I don't know what's become of her. She's probably croaked by now. She was 
and she had a fake name and they they told me what her name was and i was warned but you know i'm cautious about people you know i have to be we, we all have to be because you know look what what happened with your poor lady friend you know there was weirdness going on and it's it's very odd in but it's it is it is something to anticipate because if you put yourself in the public eye you are fair game in a way because you are somebody who is noticeable and people want to interact with you but when they don't when you don't interact in the way they want they then turn on you and i have people who write to me and they say you know can i um can i get you to do write about this and i don't reply because i'm not interested or i think it's crazy they then start sending messages of insults and but most of them i ignore but i've i've got a i've got i've got a restraint order against one person um which lasts for 7 years so um but you know that's just how it goes i've had apologies from the police over some of these cranks one one reported me to the police and i got a full apology i had to go to an interview i took a solicitor um didn't know they wouldn't tell me the name in advance and then um then i showed them a file and i said she'd got a file that was hundreds of pages thick and she was associated to the one I'd got the restraint order against. So they do become obsessive. And I think this was a different generation with Jill Dando because it was you know, ni- 1999. But um, but I think the internet has made it worse because they- they've got access to Twitter. They've got you know Facebook. They've got TikTok. They've got Instagram. And you know if you put out a picture of where you are, then they might turn up. Imogen wants to know, what is Matthew alluding to when he mentions that a number of similarly typed ladies were killed around the same time? Um, I didn't suggest that they were, they, were killed. They, were, they were killed. I said there was a lady who lived in the same area who was uh, involved in the Jeffrey Archer case and they suggested that they could have got a confused identity for her because she had the she looked very similar blonde she drove the same bmw and she lived in the same street and that's the only thing i i don't think that the the similarly the, the lady i i referenced myself dan and more was um it was 10 years earlier because it was um, 1988 uh, july and but she was killed in the same fashion in a similar area of london that's that's the only reference points i wish to make there but i'd like to talk about her case more because nobody talks about it and it's just tragic that um you know her family didn't get justice and rather like with jill dando they created a diana moore commemoration fund which was um a charity which has helped a lot of young people and i think both of those ladies deserve justice Matthew, are you worried about getting stalked at the Magnet or CrimeCon London 2023? Uh, well, CrimeCon last year, I was meant to have a security guard, as you know, but uh, um, but the person that was going to turn up and harass me, who worked for the lady we can't mention, uh, didn't bother turning up. I am used to it because I had security. I had a security. I had a security courtesy of somebody else for nearly two years at one point because of my involvement in the Gina Miller court case. If people want to see us at CrimeCom 2023, it's in London. It's June 10th, 11th, isn't it? Um, I believe it, yes, 10th and 11th. And we're going to be doing our usual event and perhaps focusing on 
Markle and Harry this time. What do you say to that? Well, I don't know how the people of CrimeCon will feel about talking about that, given it's not they haven't committed a crime yet, but they, they should be. They're, 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 I think their personalities are criminal, though. I think that's the only way we, we have to. It's a rather tenuous link, but um, if we hope we can think of a way of associating with them crime, but I don't know. But I don't know how they'll feel about that. If anyone's got any questions for Matthew Steeples, you better get them in now. We're down to our last few minutes. And what have people got to look forward to at the Steeple Times in the coming week? Um, well, we've been doing a lot about Donald Trump, and um, I, I've been asked to do some things about some other victims of crime, um, and um, I've got some, quite a big story about the biggest house for sale in Britain, which is seventy-five million, including all the contents. So that'll be quite interesting because it's 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 probably the only palatial house in central London that's. Not not as big. It's not as big as Buckingham Palace, but um, that would be quite mm. interesting to many people. Uh, now we do all sorts of different things, and um, now I I enjoy interacting with all your wonderful audience, and it's been a great pleasure to work with you. Oh, thank you, my friend, and we will see you soon, no doubt, resplendent in orange, and you have a good rest of your day. And everyone, please go down, check out Matthew's links in the description box and support his excellent work and hope to see you soon my friend okay thank you very much okay have a good evening bye-bye i'll keep watching cheers